Is This a Ghost is sponsored by our good friends at Pickney Bend Distillery. Um, you've, you've had gin before. Me? You, yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, on my 21st birthday, that was the first thing. I had, had a, uh, 21 shots of gin, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you were going, uh, you were doing the whole... I was going um, gin crazy. <laughs> and then I went swing dancing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, yes, Scott uh, Fitzgerald, we call it. Mm-hmm, before the start of the Great War. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that was, that was, that was yeah, why I discovered and you probably thought, I, this is so good. I love gin, and I wonder who invented it. And what you probably don't know is that the answer is Pickney Bend Distillery. Mm-hmm. Gin was invented in um, 2011. By Interesting. Pickney Bend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you read the books now, they'll make they'll try to make you think it was around before. Mm-hmm. That's propaganda. Mm-hmm. That's big still trying to trick you into thinking that um, that whatever they had is 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 older and better than Pickney Bend. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Gin wasn't around before 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have a bottle of gin that says, oh, we saw, our company was founded in, in 1918 or whatever. Mm-hmm, then lawyer up because they that's are right. <laughs> fucking with you. That's exactly right. <laughs> and if you want the best and most original gin in the world, then you're going to want Pickney Ben's gin because it's so good. Uh, and it's the gin everyone else copies. Everyone mm-hmm. else is like. Yep. They're like yep. Kleenex. They're like, you know, honestly, they're like the Kleenex of gin is really what they are. <laughs> they they wouldn't tell you that, but I think that's right. And I think <laughs> they would say that. In fact, maybe even deny that. But I, <laughs> That's right. I would say but that it's, it's true. probably true. Yeah. 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 Definitely the Kleenex of gin. And all the other stuff is just the tissue of gin. So mm-hmm. you want to go, go yep. big, go or the Kleenex. dumpster. There could be the dumpster of gin. The dumpster like, of gin. Yeah. Everyone else dump- is a trash bin, but these, they're the dumpster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Be the Kleenex dumpster of gin is their motto and they and they nail it every day after day mm-hmm. day in day out they, they they do just like this ad <laughs> and uh p-i-n-c-k-n-e-y-b-e-n-d.com go go check out the the, the dumpster kleenex of gin for yourself and tell them that patrick specifically sent you oh everybody welcome back to is this a ghost uh i'm clayton smith and every week i tell my real friend patrick uh dean a real ghost story from real history and he doesn't take it real seriously i almost forgot your last name yeah well it happens who's behind you who why would you say that oh god it's a cat <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ I just that's saw, french fry i just saw some movement back behind you i thought what the devil that's french fry now okay. that my walls um only go about 80% of the way to the ground mm-hmm. because of our last flooding. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cats can, they just, they've, they've learned they can just come in here whenever. That's fair. Uh, yeah. I mean, the good news is that because of the last flooding, the current flooding was a lot less disastrous. Would you agree? I would agree. I think it's a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. that we flooded two months ago and that the insurance and construction companies have been so terrible <laughs> because <laughs> otherwise last night's flooding would have really messed this place up. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, it's never going to rain again for the rest of I time. I wouldn't so. think so. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> I think we've figured out rain. We've mm-hmm. solved that problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, last night was the last one. Will the construction workers be a little confused when they come in and you say things like, can you not put on the bottom 20% of the wall because it's just going to get wet again? <laughs> can I, when I say, actually, this is kind of working for us. Yeah. Can you please leave it like this? <laughs> they might not. They might love it because mm-hmm. I think they're going to bill the insurance company the same amount no matter what. <laughs> you want me to leave, but you're still going to pay me six grand. Yes. I like uh-huh. the, I like your ideas. I like yeah. your vision. We did get nine inches of rain yesterday, mm-hmm. which is so much rain. And, uh, and um, you know, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And I already have because it's very upsetting. <laughs> I didn't realize that we were buying a house in a floodplain. Because there's not a lot of water close by. I mean, it's Chicago. The whole thing is a floodplain. It's well, the whole thing is a plane, but you don't expect <laughs> yeah. it to be a floodplain necessarily. You know, <laughs> the disclosures are very clear. They just said plane. They didn't say floodplain. Yeah, no one ever talks about the the great floodplains of Oklahoma and Nebraska. Yeah, exactly. That's because yeah, we live there. But it's fair. But uh, you live and you learn, mm-hmm. and um, and now the next the next place we're going to live is, I think, uh, on the coast because nothing's going to happen 
No, because you're, like, you're already at the water. Yes, so, so you're like, prepared for it. Yeah, yeah. It's my uh, Aaron's Aaron's uh, brother and his family came over yesterday because they were in town from California, mm-hmm. um, and they stopped by the house. And their two kids came in, and they were the first thing they said when they got in the house was, "Can we go see your basement? We've never seen one." Mm. And I said, "I don't. This is not." <clears throat> This is not the basement that you yeah. want to be introduced to at this point. It's it's not great right now. Admittedly, I mean, every basement they see from then on will be a step up from that basement. That's true. So that is a service so. that I guess we have provided them. Mm-hmm. That's that's a happiness service. You let them see it. Uh, sure, yes. Sure Jesus did. Jesus Christ. Sure did. And I, <laughs> I was like, okay, this isn't normal, and mm. this isn't normal, and here's what this looks like. And I, mm. it took about half an hour to make sure that they understood <laughs> that sometimes all these different mm-hmm. pieces uh, were different. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Even though you're having a great time crawling under the walls between the bedrooms, it's not normal. It's not normal. Do that. Yeah. It is cool, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not normal. Um, yeah. So that's 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 me. Oh hey, you won something at the carnival. Stella went to the carnival. They all went what to the carnival. carnival. Webster Carnival, bro. I asked you if you had Fourth of July plans today. You said no. How's it feel to be a liar and be exposed as a liar on national podcast? This is my Fourth of July plan. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I had to turn. I'm, I feel bad. I had to turn down um, guardi- uh, a trip to see Guardians of the Galaxy with a buddy of mine tonight. I was you like, didn't, hey, "You didn't have to." I was like, "Ah, unfortunately, I have plans." He goes, "Oh, what are you doing?" I was like, "Ah, I'm not going to tell you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to uh, be stupider than seeing a movie. I'm really sorry. <laughs> what I gave you is the opportunity to not do that. Mm. It's what you sounded like you needed. Oh. Uh. I'm doing the apple ambush. It's very sweet. It is very sweet. It's like it's desserty. It is a. It is like a. It's like a like a like a um like a port. It is like it a is. port. So I brought this sparkling water. I'm going to do just like pour them both in my mouth at the same time because I didn't want to. I didn't want to just try it to that. see if it was good. Um, I want to pour this into here, but it might ruin it. You know, so I've, I do it in my mouth first. How much of it do you have poured in the glass, by the way? Well, it's not as much as it's a giant ice cube. Oh, okay, it is okay. A lot. I was going to say it's seventy proof. It's nothing. <laughs> it's. It's nothing to pour yourself like seven shots of. Yeah. It is a dangerous. Oh, that's worse. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's worse. I I just, I prefer it neat. Mm -hmm. I do. I just prefer it neat. I'm sorry I did that. Well. If you want to wrap your bottle up with a little bit of saran wrap and just mail it on down here, I will take it off your hands. I'll think about it. Mm-hmm. I'll think about it. I'm going to see you in a few days. Maybe we'll just do a handoff. Oh, yeah, you are. Yes, that's right. Just bring it on the train. Totally forgot. You can drink on Amtrak, right? Yeah. They don't like it, but you can do it. <laughs> they, uh, they like you to drink <laughs> their alcohol that you pay for, but that's that's a, that's a noobs. That's a noobs They mistake. don't put like something over your mouth. You can still drink on Amtrak. That's right. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And the conductors don't care if you offer them a swig. Mm-hmm. That's all they want. Oh, boy. Well, we're going on our baseball trip uh, this weekend. We Did- are. I, I took off work on Friday. so Unlike Chad, who um, I have not heard from in six weeks. He said, yes, I think I could do that. And I said, great, I'm buying the Airbnb. And then since then, have not heard back from him. Mm-hmm. And his blue iPhone bubbles are still green. Hmm. I don't know. what is he got that? That probably happens if you're out of the country, right? Yeah, I I would guess do we, maybe. Do we think Chad really. is coming on this trip? Hmm. I don't because know. Because I do want to say I did pay already for the Airbnb, <laughs> <laughs> with the understanding that we needed one big enough for four people, <laughs> not three people. Uh. Um. I think you know. I think Chad will come through at the eleventh hour. He will literally. I'm going to wager. He calls you the day we're leaving, saying, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. I flaked on the date. Um, I'm trying to find a flight to Milwaukee right now. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I was like, I'm trying to find a flight to Chicago right now. And you'll clarify, <laughs> you don't need to go to Chicago. We're going to yep, Milwaukee yep, this year. Yep. And they'll say, okay, well, I'm already on the flight to Chicago. So, <laughs> And there's no flights to Milwaukee after I land, so I'll see you on Saturday. <laughs> Uh, there is a very good chance that that is verbatim. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. He's a, he's a real wild card. Oh man. Is he ever? Yeah. I think that's right. He will call. I, the only, the only, the only way I would adjust that prediction slightly is Mm. that he will call on the day that we move, but it'll be, we have arrived at the stadium and then Mm. he will call to say, I'm so sorry. I'm on my way. Yeah. So we'll, we'll be at game one of three. 
and uh, that's when he will reach out for the first time. Mm. Um, then he will say he will be there, and he will not. And then, um, then he won't show it up at all. Yeah, he won't show up at all. He'll be. <laughs> that's that's what will happen. Are you looking forward to watching baseball this weekend? Mm, sure. <clears throat> You've been to Brewer Stadium before. I have been Am Fam American Family Stadium. I, I have, right? yeah, yeah. I have yeah. Uh, almost the. It's easily the. Uh, the fam the uh, stadium with the worst fans, all of baseball, hands down. I'm sorry, even worse than Dodgers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so we went to Dodger Stadium. There were a bunch of like families around, and like we were in Cardinals gear. You'll recall, and we took yeah. we took photographs in the parking lot wearing a latex <laughs> Cardinals mask. After we'd won, which they didn't let us wear into the stadium, yeah, by the for way, our own Fascists. safety. <laughs> but we took photos like in the parking lot with Dodgers fans screaming "caca," wearing a Cardinals rubber mask. With That's them. true. I did not get shot. I did not get pushed or anything like that. That's um, true. When I went to the Brewers Stadium um, with my seven-month pregnant wife at the time, <laughs> um, I was pushed while trying to leave. Um, because somebody did not appreciate that I had a Yachty or Molina jersey on. Period. That was it. That was the entire infraction. How can you hate Yachty? Yeah, exactly. I don't care who you root for. He's Yachty. And so he pushed me, and I turned around. I saw my pregnant wife, and I looked back at him, and I thought, really? Like, in this situation? <laughs> this is how? So I just turned around and walked the other way and thought, you know what? This isn't. None of this is going to turn out very well. So walked out the other, exciting, other end of the aisle. Like, you know, I'm not a violent person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a big person, right? And so yes. people one of think the, that I might be one of the <laughs> main factors in our friendship it. is that you. Yeah. Uh, everybody needs a friend bigger than them. I'm not entirely sure who That's yours right. is, but you're clearly well, mine. Chad's pretty big too. Chad he's is not as tall as me, but he's he is he's a big he's big. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Obviously, so if he does show up. Yeah, that could be fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, <clears> Cody. <throat> is, uh, we're all obviously all Cody's big friend. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But Cody looks at you like with such disappointment; it's mm -hmm. withering. It's true, yeah. So he—that's that's—he's got that going. Are you killing? Like, do you not have a story tonight? Is that what's going on? We're twenty-seven <laughs> minutes into the recording right now. Well, you'll remember heard. twenty minutes of that is yeah. your daughter, then my wife, just like, <laughs> stopping into chat. Also, not all of us are twenty-seven minutes in. Uh, I'm only twenty-three minutes in, mm. and I wish you would please stop recording before I get here. <laughs> well. Do you want to hear a ghost story? You know what? I do. It's I've been waiting 30 and a half minutes for a ghost story so far. So <laughs> Good news for listeners is they probably only listening about 23 and a half minutes. God, this can help them. God help them. <laughs> no one yet has has reached out to say that we should cut down the intro. So I mm -hmm. I think I'm just encouraged. I think one one of these days we're going to do a 45 minute intro mm -hmm. and a 15 minute ghost story. Mm -hmm. And I bet we don't. I bet no one bats an eye. Can that be today? No. <laughs> We've got a long way to go. <laughs> um, and thank you. We this Today's story came from a listener of his really? ghost. Yes. Mm. Uh, so thank you to Aaron Smith. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I uh, thank you. Thank you for... Thank you for shouting down the stairs. Hey, I have an idea for Interesting. your Interesting. name sounds one. so familiar, but I can't place it. <laughs> yeah. Aaron suggested this one, and it mm -hmm. was very good. Um so I'll tell I'll I'll tell her thank you later. Okay, but I appreciate you. Yeah. Also, thought if you if you wanted to say thank you, this is this is how you could say it to her, and she would in the like now like in the yeah, podcast. Oh yeah, but like sincerely. Hey, Aaron Smith, wherever you are, uh, <laughs> I really appreciate you uh, doing a little bit of Clayton's work this week. Um, I know you pretty much do all the work anyway, but it's nice to see you pitching in that last one percent. <laughs> you do all of Clayton's other work all the time. Um, and she went the extra mile for sure. So uh, here we go. Okay. <clears throat> David Belasco was born in San Francisco, California mm -hmm. in the year. Do you want to guess? 19. Nope. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> 2000. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 1785. Nope. 18 something something. Getting warmer. All right. David Blasco, born in San Francisco in 1853. His parents were Abraham and Raina Blasco. Mm -hmm. They were Sephardic Jews 
who had immigrated to the U.S. from London mm-hmm. during the California Gold Rush. Okay. And I think Sephardic Jews, I had to look up, they are um, a group who normally are in, I think, like the Spanish coast. So his parents lived in a Spanish neighborhood mm-hmm. of London for Jewish folks. And then they thought, I, I guess they thought, let's go get rich. Well, I mean, yeah. Who wouldn't at that point? Yeah. So they come up. But that's a long, God, that's a long trip at that point. Because the <laughs> Panama Canal does not exist yet. So what, I guess you go you go to New York and train you overland? Across? I imagine you go overland I at that guess. point. But there's like, God, there's no that's train. That's going to take six it's months. 1850. Like you're taking fucking wagons and stuff. Well, we haven't done our other podcast yet. When do trains yeah. start? When do trains start running into each other? <laughs> what year is that? Uh, God, so you're going to like Conestogas? I guess you must really want that gold at that point because God, I was really uncomfortable. <laughs> so they set out in 1848 and they got there in 1962. Uh, so they go in, in, in 1849, famously, um, is when the California gold rush really mm-hmm. hit the 49ers, et cetera. So they're there. So there he, so he grows up in, in San Francisco. He started working in theater at a very young age. I'm sure his parents were very excited about that, by the way. <laughs> they saw We went the all this fucking way. We left London, and now you want to do theater? <laughs> you go work in the mines like yeah. your father. <laughs> so as a young boy, he worked as an extra, which is <laughs> Even more good. proud now. <laughs> yeah. You're not even in the play anymore. <laughs> uh, a script copier. So bad. I'm sorry. I, I'm guess someone has to do these jobs, but I guess so. Sound like this is this is pre Xerox, mm-hmm. so that makes sense. But it's still like post printing press. I mean, like yeah, I don't know why. I they were just like I don't know. They were saving money. I'm sure he wasn't getting paid. He couldn't possibly have been. So they were like, usually well, we, we could do a printing the, press. It's yeah. it's a nickel per page. Mm-hmm. But usually we pay the monk, but he's doing his silence thing right now. So it's going to be you this time. Um, an extra, a script copier, and a call boy. Is that like a sex thing? I don't know. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I assume it's when they call, like, you call, you have like a call time when you're in, in theater, which is like the time you have to be at the theater. So it's probably mm-hmm. something where he has to like go round up people to be in theater. Boy. And again, in like 1860s, you're like, yeah. you're going to every saloon in town and you're like, please, please just go to the theater. I don't want to get hit in the face again by the boss. Uh, so David was sort of, um, I, I, I don't think child prodigy is the right word. Is there an opposite of prodigy? Like, I don't well, know. It's not the opposite, but he did like to do it a lot. Yeah. So he's, what's the, what's like the version of a child prodigy who just tries really hard? Mm. <laughs> um, like a like a child enthusiast. No, that's not right. Um, <laughs> that's very different. <laughs> a child laborer, I guess. Yeah, well, all these words yeah. make sense. Sure, why not? <laughs> sure. So, but he 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 did he he took pretty well to uh, pretty much every aspect of theater. He was just doing it all. So he, as a child actor, he appeared with Charles Keene in Richard the Third. Oh wow. Charles Keene, uh, who you I'm, you could probably tell us who Charles Keene is. You yeah. seemed uh, very impressed. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. yeah Charles Keene. He was a uh, uh, actually um, made all of his money in uh, in oil. I don't know if you knew that. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then just bought himself away onto the stage. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's, it's kind of sad actually. Um, and then he ended up uh, dying in a in a in a hail of gunfire in a Chicago street, nineteen seventeen. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Tragic end. I I I don't know. I my research did not turn that up. <laughs> my, re- my research <laughs> diverges from your bold statement. Uh, Charles Keene was apparently a very famous British Shakespearean actor, mm. and I guess there's a whole thing in the eighteen mid eighteen hundreds specifically for um, British actors to like come to America and like show everyone how good they are at Shakespeare, uh, like like a like a like a Lionel Messi thing. Like he's yes yeah okay it's just same like deal that. yes yep. exactly yep. yeah yeah like they're, they're done the yeah they're done yeah. like winning their championships making all their money whatever now they're like I'm gonna come play in America and yeah. see what that experience is like for like a yeah year. I'm gonna go hang out in Florida for a while and yeah. <laughs> it's really just soak it up <laughs> um so Keen does this so he comes over and uh, here's a fun fact I learned from reading stuff Charles Keen's father Edmund Keen 
was also a famous actor, and he acted with uh, Junius Brutus Booth, who was the father of John Wilkes Booth. I didn't know the 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 Booth family was a was an acting dynasty. It's wild. (laughs) Yeah, took a turn at the end, Um, as all dynasties do. I mean, they. (laughs) That's right. So he's acting with famous people, and he also acted in some shows that toured around the mining camps, which were probably very well received. Yeah. Uh, is a quote from from David. Uh, quote: We used to play in any place we could hire or get into a hall, a big dining room, an empty barn, any place that would take us. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a good strategy for is this a ghost? <laughs> we <laughs> we should start doing live tours <laughs> wherever anyone will take us. Literally, Barns. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Rest stops. So yeah, um, why not? Yeah, I don't see a problem with that. Kind of like a, like, a, like a Bob Hope USO tour type thing. It's like know? that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that, except the bombs that are dropping our, our show. <laughs> so, let's see. Ba, ba, ba. In 1873, David's 20 years old. He's worked as an actor, as a director, uh, he was a, and a secretary at Piper's Opera House in Virginia City, Nevada, where he found, quote, more reckless women and desperados to the square foot than anywhere else in the world. Mm, okay. <clears throat> I think I, I figured out why he's not aspiring higher in his career. He's probably very busy. Is what it sounds yeah. like to me. Yeah. <laughs> Wink. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, his time in Virginia City was indeed very instructive. Mm-hmm. Um, while he was there, he saw, as he said, quote, people, he saw people die under such peculiar circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And watching all these human people die under peculiar circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess really affected him. He started paying attention to the way that people died and he started noticing that the way people die in real life tends to be different from the way that people die on stage. Mm, okay. Um, let's see. He, it made him, there's another quote, all the more particular in regard to the psychology of dying on the stage. I think I was one of the first to bring naturalness to bear in death scenes and my varied Virginia city experiences did much to help me toward this mm. later. I was to go deeper into such studies. Like, um, I mean, I, 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 again, I'm, I'm not like a student of the stage, obviously, uh-huh. but <clears throat> I also don't recall a lot of people like walking down the streets of Chicago singing about their problems. So, I mean, some things are just <laughs> different, you know, between the stage and real life. Yes, that's a good point, so, and I'm glad you brought that up. So you're talking about musicals, and that's a very valid question. Right. People die uh, in musicals, Blasco, by the way. People do die in musicals, though. They do all the time. Out. West Side also, Story. Spoiler alert. West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, would you say that's the most realistic uh, depiction of death that you've seen? Uh, it is the only one I can recall from a musical, so I would mm-hmm. say yes. Okay, great. Um, now, David is re- is referring to um, to Old West theater here, which... <coughs> uh you well you've seen tombstone i you know like have is that was the, that was that originally lighting, a stage play that i'm not aware of i'm not. there in, <laughs> no in in the movie tombstone there is a uh a play where uh this is oh this is um oh fucking what's his name um billy zane's whole character is oh yeah the yeah, actor, yeah right yeah, so yeah, they, yeah. They're, of course they're there for yes 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 and there's like the whole like weird scene that doesn't make any sense <laughs> where they actually go into the theater and they see it <laughs> And you see, like, the, the lighting effect is someone holds a bottle of whiskey in front of the mm-hmm. light, and it, like, yeah. changes it to, like, a slightly orangish color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is pretty much how it is going. Mm-hmm. And so death scenes are there, like, ah, oh, I stabbed you. Yeah. Oh, oh f- weird oh, whiskey bottle. Oh, oh merd. Yeah. <clears throat> um, which is not, obviously, how it actually goes. When you stab someone, there's actually a lot of pain and blood and stuff. <laughs> Screaming and crying yeah. and shitting yourself. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so he starts realizing this in Virginia City, mm-hmm. um, and this plants a seed in in his brain. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll come back to this. So I mean, he, he sounds kind of like a like a Neil deGrasse Tyson type, where like people are having too much fun with this like symbolic <laughs> thing. I want to make it more realistic and less fun for everybody. So yeah, he would you know- have been great and terrible on Twitter for sure. <laughs> do you know when you die, a weird orange filter doesn't uh, light the sun around you when you die in the street? It's very odd. Did you know that if you die, you actually shit yourself? <laughs> the whole place smells terrible. Uh, after a year in Nevada, David goes back to San Francisco and he manages the Baldwin Theater, which goes under in 1882. So David's out of a job and he's like, 
you know what? Fuck this place. I'm going to the bright lights of the big city. Which and he moves to the Big Apple. Oh, his parents He's probably like we leap. just left that place. <laughs> we came all the way here. <laughs> it took us so long yeah. to get here from New York. How dare you? It's a real slap in the face. <laughs> but he goes back to New York. Uh, well, for him, it's his first time in New York, obviously. And he sure. goes, and uh, he gets settled in pretty quickly. And soon, he so he's, he dives right into the theater world and mm. starts associating with the Froman brothers. The Fro- <laughs> this fucking app. I <laughs> so I'm, I always take notes in the notes app mm-hmm. on uh, on the Mac. And every every time I tried to write Froman, mm-hmm. it was fine. F R O H M A M. But when I tried to write Fromans, because there are three of them, three brothers. Mm-hmm. When I say Fromans, it automatically changes to Frogmans, which is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, why would you change it to that? Uh, uh, you know, like like Navy SEAL Frogmen, but plural and yeah. spelled wrong. That's I mean, that's clearly what they, what they mean. But like singular, yeah. then plural, right. Frogmans. <laughs> so, whatever. So the Fromans, there were three brothers, and they're pretty famous in theatrical history. Um, they're Daniel, Gustav, and Charles. Mm. They were big producers of theater and film. Now, in 1880, uh, the brothers started managing the uh, Madison Square Theater. So mm. David comes out, and he meets them, and he joins up, and he's helping them with the theater, mm-hmm. and it's great. Uh, the Frogmans... <laughs> thing the fromans really they really liked working with david he knows his shit um he's talented he's like actually a good manager he's creative and he's smart but also like understands the business mm-hmm. he's really he's he's quite good at this mm-hmm. whole thing okay so they keep him on because they know what they have in him uh so they help he manages madison square theater and they also let him manage the old uh, lyceum theater um mm. and just so you know the lyceum is there is a lyceum theater still in new york it's mm. the new there's a this is the old, there's two, there There was one and then it shut down, they mm-hmm. opened a new one. Um, so that legacy sort of still happened. So wow. he's 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 working the big theaters mm-hmm. and he really cements himself, David does, as part of um, the early Broadway scene. All right, good, any questions? I'm starting to realize why Aaron was the one who suggested this, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, now follow me on a slight detour here. <clears throat> In 1896, Charles Froman, one of the Froman brothers, mm-hmm. he goes to lunch with a handful of other managers and agents, mm-hmm. and they're just talking about like the business of theater mm-hmm. and the state of theater. Yep. And all the men at the lunch had a national influence. So there was A. A. L. Erlanger, not Al Erlanger. Yeah. A. L. Erlanger, and Mark Claw, which is the best name <laughs> I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Uh, these two guys booked all the biggest theaters in the South, mm-hmm. like all across uh, Southern America, uh, the Southern U.S. Samuel Nerdlinger and Frederick Zimmerman, they ran a ton of theaters in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Froman and Al Heyman both owned theaters in New York and the surrounding area. And then the other mm-hmm. Froman brothers, they owned movie theaters that stretched across the country all the way to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Okay. So these yeah. guys, they all, they all work. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, now, part of the economic model for live theater has always been the tour. So you do like the show on mm-hmm. Broadway, then you yep. tour around the country, sure. as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this lunch, the guys were like, you know what would be cool? <laughs> what if we had a total monopoly over all of that? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, we could do this. We could actually, because of our connections, because of what we do, like we could, we, we could actually make a monopoly over the theatrical tours. Okay. Um, so within weeks, they had formally linked all their theaters, and it was 33 of them to start, which again, in like 1882 is, yeah. nine, uh, sorry, 1896. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, so they start linking their theaters together, and they make a pact, and they call themselves the Theatrical Syndicate. <laughs> <laughs> it's the nerdiest mob name gonna, I've ever heard in my life. Like, like, like a total like Captain America throwaway villain or something like that. <laughs> Appeared in one in one one episode in 1968. <laughs> um, and so the deal was like they linked all their theaters, and so they would go to the company managers, who are the people who who book tours for the shows, mm-hmm. and they would say, "Hey, 
if you want to book in any of our theaters and we have the biggest and best theaters, you're gonna have to book in all of our theaters. Mm. Okay. And the company managers are actually like, this is great. Cause now I don't have to go to each individual theater around the country to try to book this tour. Like that's a lot of work off my plate. If I sure. can just tell you, yep. yeah, put me on the circuit. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Yep. So they're into it. Um, so that's great. So it's easy. Their life is easy. So now they start sending these tours just on these mm -hmm. theaters. Yep. Um, but of course, that means only the theaters in the syndicate get the touring shows. Sure. Yeah. So other theater owners got pretty mad about that. <laughs> <laughs> and in some places around the country, other theater owners were like, well, fuck you guys. We own the big theaters in the big cities. Mm -hmm. We're not selling to you. We're not partnering with you. Mm -hmm. We're going to beat you. Fuck off. Yeah. Um, and that's when the syndicate realized, like, they don't actually need any of the big theaters in big cities. Mm -hmm. If they could have the theaters that were on the roads into the big cities, because these people okay. aren't li like the people who go to the theater aren't living in the cities; they're mm -hmm. living outside yeah. and they're traveling in. So if they can catch them on the way into the city, then they could have all their money. So that's what they did. So they they connected with those theaters. Mm -hmm. So they made this huge network, totally of, fucking over all these other theater owners, of like like suburban theaters, like in yeah. like in Aurora and yes, exactly. Chesterfield. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, so they did essentially, they created a theater monopoly in America and they squeezed out all these other owners. Um, and I, the whole story of the syndicate, I, I find so interesting, um, which is a whole different podcast, but, mm. um, so I don't get into much of weeds, but it is worth mentioning the syndicate, uh, would probably have gone on to be long-term successful. Mm. Um, even though the fact, despite the fact that even the actors were turning on them, cause the actors were like, well, this doesn't seem cool. And, yep. Yep. you know, we don't really like being like kind of played here. But um, the syndicate had one very important competitor, which was the Schuberts. Mm. Um, the Schubert brothers were the second largest theater holders in the country. Um, and they had a weird relationship with the syndicate. But um, the all that's important for the story is the Schuberts are trying to compete by buying up other theaters across the country and like getting mm -hmm. their own. Yeah, making their own network, basically. Network, yep. Yeah. And it was going fine. It was really hard. They were kind of not winning that war until they were like, hey, wait a minute. We don't need to buy more theaters. We just need to work with the actors. Mm. If we can sign the actors to contracts with our theaters, mm -hmm. then the tours will have no actors. Yeah. Bingo. So they did that. And the actors were already pissed at the syndicate for controlling everything. Mm -hmm. So the actors were like, yep, sign me up. So the Schuberts instantly like signed up all these Broadway actors and these tour actors. Um, and the Schuberts were very pro-actor, at least at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, they got a whole bunch on board. By the 1908 season, the syndicate didn't have enough actors or plays to fill their theaters. Mm. And then the Schuberts put the nail in the coffin by, uh, they followed the syndicate around that year. Every place the syndicate had a show with their uh, not very good actors. Mm -hmm. The next week, the Schuberts would open that same show with like a Broadway cast <laughs> and just fucking ate their lunch all year long. <laughs> Um, all this is going to be so somewhat important later. So mm -hmm. back to Belasco. So, okay. So David Belasco is there. He's working with the Froins, but he doesn't like that. What the syndicate is doing. So okay. he starts to like push back sure. against the Froins a little bit. All right. Uh, so in 1902, he breaks off from them completely and he takes over the management of the theater Republic, which is a theater in, in not a country. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I think we've gone that far off, but yes. Yeah. And Theater uh, Republic is lo is a physical location? Yes, it's in New York. In New York, okay. It is a Broadway theater, and he renames it the Belasco. Ah, makes sense. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, and this is a pretty big deal because Belasco was on his own. He was his own producer for the first time in his life. Like, he was just mm -hmm. totally on his own. Mm -hmm. And he quickly found out that actually, so, like I said, I... The way he approached the idea of theater, which was kind of new at the time, which was let's make it look kind of realistic or at least I yeah. call it naturalism. Mm -hmm. Let's like show people actually experiencing the things they're supposed to be experiencing. Mm -hmm. No one had really been doing that. And people were like, wow, this is great. Yeah. Like I could, this guy died and I, it actually sounded yeah. like a guy who was dying. <laughs> he even pooped himself on the stage. It was great. <laughs> it was amazing. They had smeared shit under yeah. all the seats. It was incredible. Um, and because he's doing that, people are actually wanting to go see his shows. Mm -hmm. And so this is the first time in America, one of the first, if not the first time in America, that a producer is actually the, the one bringing in crowds. Hmm. So like he wasn't writing the shows. He wasn't acting in them. He was just producing them. Mm -hmm. But he was 
producing them in such a way that like people are like, oh, we'll go see. So it's like mm-hmm. no one had ever connected producers with, I need to see this show before. Mm-hmm. It was always, oh, this star is in it or this person wrote it. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, oh, here's this suit who's, <laughs> who's yeah. kind of helping things get paid for. <laughs> um, so he was, this is a quote from someone. Uh, <laughs> quote, Blasco was the first American producer whose name, regardless of star, actor, or play, attracted patrons to the theater. Um, so he's bringing naturalism to the stage. And naturalism is when you use stagecraft to make the scenes look realistic. Mm-hmm. And no one had bothered with that before, at least in America. But he made, like I said, death scenes look like actual death scenes. He was the first one to use colored lights on like motorized color changing wheels to evoke mood. Mm-hmm. So if it's like nighttime or a sad time, mm-hmm. blue light. Okay. Um, one of his most famous productions was Girl of the Golden West. And this show opened with a slow sunset that lasted five minutes before any dialogue started. Sounds pretty boring. Which, would be <laughs> <laughs> which, it, yeah. which was boring. <laughs> yeah. But no one had ever seen like that kind of like progression of light change before. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all, that was very sophisticated. I really do not envy the guy who's like sitting there with the, with like the color gel. Like slowly turning it over five fucking minutes. Yeah. Um, he got rid of footlights. Footlights were still a thing. Hmm. And he was like, footlights are terrible. Yeah. So, and he started actually concealing lights so audiences couldn't see hmm. the light. They could just see the effect of the light. Interesting. Yeah. Um, he equipped the theater's dressing rooms with lamps of several different colors so actors could see how their makeup looked under different lighting conditions. Like he's really, he's way ahead of his time. Yeah, obviously. This is again like 1900. Um, oh, and he did, so this is a good, so he did one show, it was set, the show was set in a cheap boarding house, mm-hmm. so they built the set, and they, like, kind of fucked it all up, try to make it look cheap and yeah. broken down and stuff, um, but he couldn't quite get it, uh, this is a quote, so I went to the meanest theatrical lodging house I could find in the Tenderloin District and bought the entire interior of one of its most dilapidated rooms. <laughs> Batch furniture, threadbare carpet, tarnished and broken glass, gas fixtures, tumble-down cupboards, dingy doors and window casings, and even the faded paper on the walls. And they reconstructed it all on stage. Hmm. Wow. So he's doing cool stuff. Yeah. Um, so he's got his first theater. It's going well. And in 1906, he's given the opportunity to build a brand new, from scratch theater right on 44th Street between 6th and 7th. Right in the heart of Broadway. Hmm. And he takes it. And he really wants to call this theater the Blasco, but he can't because he named the other one the Blasco. Uh, and there's a contract there. So he calls this one the Stewie Vescent. And it opens in October of 1907. What does Stewie Vescent mean? Is it like a, is that, is that a term or a name? Know. I was hoping you would have some theories yeah, on this. Yeah. So Stewie Vescent, um, I think it's kind of like effervescent, except okay. with stew. <laughs> so effervescent stew. Yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah like what you're a, saying like a like a carbonated stew. That's what I'm. That's okay. what I guess. I would, I would murder a carbonated stew. <laughs> that sounds actually pretty good. Oh, uh, people eat gazpacho. Yeah, that's way grosser than carbonated stew. Let's put some bubbles in there, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I would do carbonated stew in a heartbeat. Um, stewy vessel. I like it. So he's still managing the Blasco, but the stewy vessel, you know, is like his theater, right? Um, that he helped design. So after a few years, he decides uh, he wants to be monogamous. Hmm. And he, he quits as the manager of the Blasco. Hmm. And he takes his name with him. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So that theater becomes the new victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Stewie Vestment becomes the Blasco Theater. It's going to be so confusing for people. Like that's, it's that's very so, tricky. It's such a mean <laughs> thing. Like the Yellow Pages yeah. probably so confused by God what's going damn on. It. We're, still, yeah. uh, we're still relevant yeah. right now. And we have to reprint all these pages. <laughs> Um, but the Blasco Theater, this Blasco Theater, is still standing today and still operates as a Broadway theater. Wow. Okay. So, and it's a gorgeous, it's a gorgeous theater. Mm-hmm. And David, when he was building it, he brought a man named George, I want to, it's probably Keister. Mm-hmm. Could be Keister. <laughs> to design. I'm going to go with Keister on this one. I'm sorry. I really want it to be Keister. Keister's a lot funnier. <laughs> um, so David Blasco, his, his, his thought on the theater was that he wanted it to feel like a, like a comfortable, like living room space. Yeah, he thought good theater meant the audience should be as close to the actors as possible, mm-hmm. and so um, Keister designed it that way. So it's more so than other theaters; like the seats are right up against the stage. Mm. Um, Keister also used the neo-Georgian style. Do you want to 
explain to us what the neo-georgian style neo-georgian. is neo-georgian so <clears throat> that's i mean it's in english that's the new uh <coughs> georgia style and uh-huh. <clears throat> um i would say the new georgian style is probably uh what we would nowadays called um arena seating you know it's where like the the the, the seats are more like on a on a wall almost so everybody gets a good view on a wall so on, a, on yeah, a wall like like vertical like vertically basically you know like yeah, arena so you're climbing seating. a ladder yeah, to get stadium, your seats. I'm sorry, stadium seating. My 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 fault. Oh, okay. Stadium okay, seating. Yes. Okay. I couldn't think of the word. Yes. And that's that's, that's reflective of that's, old Georgian style. In what way? Uh, because the uh, the original um, uh, Atlanta uh, Falcons stadium. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, keep going. Uh, it, it it debuted right around the same time, so it just kind of stuck on. It did. It did. Yeah. So, wow. Anyway, uh, is there, do you have any more information on it? Or are you just going to let me? I do have some more. Here? So the Neo Jordan okay. style, which was primarily used for residences, <laughs> ah, so lots of residences having um, stadium, stadium style. Yeah, sure, seating. yeah, yeah. I, my house does. I don't know if your house does. <laughs> Our house is kind of expensive, though, so I don't know. It's... <laughs> I thought we, those were stairs behind you there. I didn't realize. No, no, was, yeah, uh, no. We, we actually benches. Yeah, yeah. We we dinner on a wall. It's pretty pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so we gave the theater a comfortable, familiar feel. Felt like being in a home sure. in some ways. Uh, the the Blasco had uh, Tiffany lighting and ceiling panels. Wow, very nice. very, and very rich woodwork. It had mm-hmm. eighteen murals painted by Everett Shin, who is a pretty famous artist. I didn't know the name, but I looked up some of the work, mm-hmm. and I th- I'm like, oh, this is familiar. So you here? There's a piece at the uh, Art Institute, which. Um, you maybe you've seen before. You've been to the Art Institute in Chicago? Chicago. Yes, before? I have many times. So you might be you might have you've probably seen this piece before. It's it's I'll link it to you here. Uh, this is called the Hippodrome. Boop. Oh, I've seen the Hippodrome. Yes, yes, I have seen this painting before. Yeah. Beautiful. So this this artist did uh, did eighteen different murals inside of the, <laughs> of the theater. So it's great. It's really it's a gorgeous space. And David moves into an apartment above the theater. Uh, and his apartment has the decor of a gothic church, <laughs> which feels like he sounds like a very particular type, is what it sounds like. <laughs> I think so. God, it's the worst kind of place to live. I don't want to. I don't want to live in a place where I'm constantly being reminded of how ashamed uh, God is in me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, that's how I want to wake up to every day. Um, this building cost, God, it cost $750,000 in 1907. Holy shit. Would you like to guess how much money that I'm is gonna today? I'm going to guess that's about 12 mil today. 25 million. Ooh, my goodness. So it's, it's amazing. Um, and then Keister, the architect, uh, he went on to design quite a few other theaters. This is one of his first, but mm. it went so well. They're like, you're our new theater architect. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ones that he designed was the uh, Apollo Theater in Harlem. Very famous oh, uh, Apollo wow. Theater. Yeah. Uh, okay. So anyway, this is a ghost. Po- oh, so this it, is a ghost. It, it, does a ghost show up at some point? Because we yeah, are. There, we're gonna. We're here we'll get into sixty it. minute mark right now. <laughs> well, it's not. Once we edit, it's gonna be like twenty <laughs> minutes. So. Uh, so in Velasco's apartment above the theater, mm-hmm. which was huge, um, it had salons, bedrooms. Dining areas. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're making it last I, long. I, well, I, 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 I need to know though because I don't have to Google it. What is a salon? What is a salon in an apartment? I need That's to a very that. good question. Yeah. I think it's, it's like a parlor. Okay. Because if you have like a salon, like kind uh-huh. of the the classic, the classic, one of the classic definitions of salon is like you have people who gather in a room and you all like kind of. To share ideas or share. So like, there's like an artistic okay. salon, which is like, we'll get together and I'll read some poetry I wrote and you'll play some music that you are okay. tinkering with uh, or whatever. And nobody's cutting anybody's hair. Doesn't sound like. <laughs> I don't. Well, I would. I don't want to. That could be someone's art that sure. they're sharing. Is, yeah. You know, look, I'm I'm really I really Edward Scissorhandsing my way through life right yeah. now. And I'm really experimenting with uh, new styles. So I'm you could do sure. that at a salon. Yeah. I'm not sure how we got like from, from, from a to, to Z on that one. Like how we got from like place to share ideas to like great clips. It doesn't make a lot of sense <laughs> to me, you know, I mean, we call them great clips, great, great, great clips. <laughs> we're calling great clips a salon. Are we, that's, that feels generous. It's in the, I think it's in, in the name, but yeah, uh, no, it's, it's a, uh, I've never shared any ideas in great clips. 
Yeah. No, I've not. I've well, never that's have. not true yep. because I know one thing about people who cut hair, and it's that they just talk forever. And all I want to do is sit there and be quiet, and they just keep asking questions. And so, I think. What are you doing this weekend? One. Nothing interesting. Please just, <sighs> please just finish cutting the I hair. I just close my eyes yeah. and just wake me up when this haircut is over. <laughs> this is the one, the one chance I have for quiet. Please. You guys have please. laughing gas here, right? We can, we can, we can do the gas. <laughs> it's like a dentist thing. <laughs> My wife will drive me home from the, from the hair appointment. It's okay. She's waiting in the car. It, my hair hurts so much when you cut it. Can you please, you have the gas, right? Um, it says multiple salons, <laughs> multiple bedrooms, multiple mm-hmm. dining areas, a living room, a studio, um, <laughs> and and throughout the entire space, so he showcases all his theater memorabilia, mm-hmm. of which he has quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, a very impressive collection of art and erotica. I mean, at that time, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like, t- okay, so it's not like Here's today. a painting of a lady okay, with yeah. an umbrella. <laughs> it's not dress. like today. We're like, admittedly, today we have too much stuff. You know, I'm just, I mean, so it's not like, it's not like TV screens on the walls with Pornhub playing. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. Everybody has access <laughs> to that. I mean, back then, whatever you owned, because you probably didn't own much, you put it up on the wall. If you liked erotica, well, then you showed everybody erotica. That's true. That's if, true. If you like, you know, cat Where penis, did you find you put them up on the fucking wall. Sure. Yeah. There was no shame. It was, it was, it was you know actually, what? it was more of a flex, really, honestly. Yeah. I have, I have so much free time and free money. I want to put fucking porn on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is where the research gets a little hard here because (laughs) 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 Um, it's Belasco. So David, he was married. Um, was, yeah, we, well, he, they're all, everyone's dead. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, 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 yeah, uh, he first met Cecilia Loverich in California when he was working in San Francisco and Mm. they were married in 1870s. Um, I didn't find out about this till I started reading about the erotica, which is weird. Like she's um, like, I don't understand. She's not mentioned almost at all in any of the pieces that I read. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are like books and stuff, like right. actual books that talk, but like, yeah. But until I got to the erotica part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I read, a, I read a lot and like no one mentions her. I had to like go searching for her to be like, Oh, he, he was married. Cause I was like, why it's weird. I guess maybe he's like a bachelor kind of guy. And it's not true. He mm. was married yeah. apparently very happily. Yeah. Um, she was just cool with erotic on the walls, which I think is great. Um, this is, but when you find mentions of her, this is a line that keeps popping up about her. And it is this quote, David Blasco was married to Cecilia Loverich for over 50 years. They had two daughters, Raina, who later married producer Morris Guest, and Augusta. End of mention of any of his family. <laughs> I really couldn't find anything about Cecilia. So I I actually had to go into the New York Times archive to find her original obituary. Oh, my God. To get any information, which is super weird. So I don't yep. know what's going on here, why she's being erased from, from Belasco history. Um, but according to the obituary, Cecilia was actually very instrumental in convincing him to move to New York. Okay. And was very supportive of his entire career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for some reason never mentioned, which sucks. Uh, also found out their daughter, Augusta was born in 1880. Um, so like right when they moved to New York, she died in 1911. And after that, it's like Cecilia didn't leave the house much. Mm, okay. Which is yeah. very sad. Yeah. yeah. And obviously David's living a very public life. Like he's out in the theater. He's out, you yeah. know, he's out. All the... Yeah. Um, so it's whatever. It's going to be pretty bad. She... Like if you're, so it, uh, how old was the daughter when she died? Uh, she was 31. Yeah. And then the mom became a shut in, in yeah. the apartment. Yeah. Full of erotica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be tough. So, you know, you're trying to mourn. <laughs> it's very distracting. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of erotica around. David, can we like can we cover some of these yeah. for a few can weeks? We have like something? a room without <laughs> this, maybe. No. <laughs> no. Every north I've wall should so be covered money. in erotica. <laughs> Do you know how hard this is to come by? Um. <laughs> It's wonderful how much 
um, euphemisms are worked into our daily language, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, the other thing I couldn't find much on, but apparently David was also something of a ladies' man. Oh, really? Which I th- feel like that feels like a very gentle term for, like, if you're an early 20th century ladies' man, yeah. you are sexually assaulting women constantly, yeah. I think. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you're an unholy <laughs> sex pest. Um, he was, I guess, known to creep on the actresses a bit. So his Yeah, like a New York producer that's also yeah. kind of a sex pest. That's, yeah. Yeah. So his legacy is a little complicated. Mm-hmm. Just like he was great at theater, mm-hmm. great, very intelligent, very smart, very forward thinking. Mm-hmm. Also sexually assaulted lots of <laughs> people probably. Um, it doesn't, I, I couldn't find anyone uh, on the record as being upset by this. I, it's probably, you know, some of it's baked in, I guess. To the yeah. time. I, I don't know, whatever. It's hard to litigate this kind of shit from, from here. Um, but it seems like it was generally considered all in good fun to engage in light sexual <laughs> harassment. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, so Blasco builds this incredible Broadway empire, um, you know, around his work and, and mm-hmm. ingenuity. And um, he also liked erotica and, uh, and, and, and his wife uh, didn't talk much. So great. Talk yeah. Much awesome. He, um, uh, you know, harassed women and he died in 1931 at the age of 77. Full life. Yeah, he sure did. And he was buried in the Linden Hill Jewish Cemetery in Queens. But his spirit was like, I got other places Not to done. Be. Not done Not yet. Done. Lots of unfinished business. Mm-hmm. So ever since his death uh, in 1931, Blasco has been seen in the theater's private box during some rehearsals and on quite a few opening nights. Oh, wow. Well, They'll look up the other's box and he will be there. Hmm. You want to keep an eye on your investment. Uh, it, 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 it does make sense. I mean, was there nobody else in the owner's box good question he's usually alone mm-hmm. but sometimes he's accompanied by the blue lady i meant more like is there no are there no like corporeal <laughs> beings in the owner's box it's it's david blasco's ghost <laughs> and the ghost of the blue lady <laughs> uh and john wilkes booth <laughs> sitting there <laughs> three abreast so i does this answer your question it does not okay okay uh, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. That's I fair. don't know. That's fair. But, uh, I mean, they're seen by someone. So probably other people in the box who are like, wait a minute, who are you yeah. and how'd you get here? <laughs> so the woman who sometimes accompanies him wears a blue dress. There are two theories about who the blue lady might be. Number one, she may be the spirit of an actress who died after falling down the elevator shaft that led up to Blasco's apartment. Hmm. Wait. This happens so often. How do you, wait, Okay. I mean, I'm so confused by the idea of falling down an elevator shaft. <laughs> There's got to be alcohol at work, right? Yeah, yeah, like a heavy, heavy dosage of absinthe is, has to factor into <laughs> this, I'd have to imagine. I mean, doors open, mm-hmm. and you just... you An yeah. elevator is one of the places, for sure, you look before you, you step. I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I do, personally. Even nowadays, when they're, like, pretty safe. Um, I can't imagine how drunk I would have to be to not <laughs> look and see if there's an elevator there. It's famous for being yeah. an open space mm. where you, even if you're in the elevator, yeah. you could die at any time. <laughs> like what? It's very confusing. Um, so anyway, so she might have been a woman who that did happen to a woman. Um, so it may have been her, or she may be the ghost of a dancer who hung herself in the Blasco Theater's basement, which is also a thing that happened at some point. Never a good sign whenever they don't know which ghost you are. Not yeah, it's sign. too many ghosts. <clears throat> um, but Blasco doesn't only show up in the box seats. So to this day, female actors will feel uh, fingers pinching their bottoms backstage mm. when there's no one else around. Yeah, and the pest uh, is back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of the articles is like he's still up to his old tricks. Like it's not how it works. Genteel way of, yeah. <laughs> of saying that. Um, one woman who was performing at the Blasco some years back said she was taking a shower in the dressing room when her bathroom door was suddenly flung open, and she stuck her head out to yell at the person who had done this. Right. Uh, but all she saw was a creepy blue glow. Mm. It could have been the blue lady, though. Yeah, it certainly could have been. Yeah. Could have been, yeah. Um, Blasco go- <laughs> Blasco's ghost really likes to appear after shows. So after a particularly good performance, he will sometimes show up backstage and shake hands with the actors. 
and they'll all be like, you know, and there's like people back there. Sure. Yeah. Know, it's, and yeah. so they're like, oh yeah, okay, hello. It's a yeah. weird suit that you're wearing. <laughs> it mm-hmm. looks old. Um, and then they'll, you know, be told that that was the ghost of David Blasco. Uh, if the per- if the performance goes badly, sometimes he will trash the dressing rooms. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a bit of a cop out. I mean, you gotta admit, <laughs> it was David. I swear to God, ghost. I know I've been here in here for the last hour, drunk. And pissed, <laughs> but it was not me. The trash dressing room. I know that uh, my agent did call immediately after I walked off stage and say, "I will never work in this town again." But I, this was not me. <laughs> um, a quote from one of the articles: "Furniture, vases, and belongings have been discovered thrown against their walls and doors after bad performances." Interesting. And none of this sounds like uh, Broadway performers after a bad performance, right? Like none of this hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> hard to say. I'm going to take the, now that I am friends with several, I'm going to take the fifth. I'm going <laughs> to, not the I ones don't know I know. listen to this or not. I know are very, <laughs> very level headed. They're very pleasant. They would mm-hmm. never do that. Mm-hmm. None of them would. Nor would they have bad shows. Honest, frankly. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> there are some non-functioning elevators at the theater, by the way. Mm-hmm. Sounds like at least um, one. uh and there's i guess there's a set that go that are non-functioning anymore and they somehow sometimes though are heard to be moving and going up to the penthouse Mm, interesting they don't work anymore and voices can be heard inside those elevators as well yeah sometimes the actors backstage will smell cigar smoke even though no one is back there smoking okay um david blasco as a man who lived at the turn of the century loved cigars um, and like I said, it still operates as a Broadway house today, the Blasco Theater. Uh, but, but, lest you fear going to the Blasco, because you don't want to see a ghost. <laughs> uh, and I should say, it's a plug for Broadway. Right now is a great time to go to the Blasco, because they're showing Goodnight Oscar, which just won some Tonys, and uh, apparently is a fucking incredible. Hmm. Um, and it started, it opened in Goodman first. It was pre-Broadway at Goodman here in Chicago. Oh, wow. And Aaron and I almost went, and we were like, ah, no. And now tickets are 17 times more expensive, and you have to go to New York to see it. Mm. Very upset. Sean Hayes is in it. It's a whole thing. Oh, my gosh. It looks very good. What happened to the uh, to, to the one that, that I, I went to the premiere of here in St. Louis? Do, do you remember? The, Say more about that. The the uh, the Karate Kid? You were there? Oh, the Karate Kid. Yeah, the, yeah you were there, what's dude. It? I was there, yeah. What happened to that one? We met, uh, what's his name? Yeah, we met uh, the guy. <laughs> We met not Ralph Macchio, Cobra Kai himself. We met not Ralph Macchio. We did not meet Ralph Macchio. We did meet, and he made us all do fists up. Mm -hmm. And his name was obviously Oh, are you waiting for me? I'm waiting for you. (laughs) Billy Zabka. Billy Zabka, of course. Billy Zabka, who is super nice to us. I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast because he will be so hurt that we talked to him for a while. He will come to your house and he will punch you in the face is what's going to happen. But then he'll hug you and yeah. he'll say, I'm sorry. That was that hurt me more than mm. hurt you. Yeah. Let's let's combine our dojos. And I'll be like, I don't really have <laughs> <laughs> I have three girls and a lot of stress. I'm sorry. I don't really. <laughs> Please don't teach them karate. Uh, it's still TBD. Oh, really? That's a shame. It was good. I liked it. It was good. It was actually quite good. I yeah. liked it a lot. I was very pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it'll, uh, it'll. I'm sure it'll hit eventually. Yeah, sure. Why not? It's tough. It's tough. Tough game. Um. Anyway, where were we? Oh, so if you're like, oh, I want to go see shows at the Blasco, but I'm kind of afraid of ghosts. Don't mm-hmm. worry too much, because on February 17th in 1971, there was an off-Broadway show, a pretty famous one called O Calcutta. Oh, I know that one. Yeah. Do you? Uh, it's it, O Calcutta is the name of a famous album. Oh, <laughs> okay. let me find it. Not the same. Go on. By, oh my God. Yeah, by the Lawrence Arms. Yep. By what? The Lawrence Arms. It is, is a, this like uh, a Joey Lawrence, uh, the Lawrence Brothers band? No, Lawrence Arms is... Are they from Chicago? They're a band I listened to when I was growing up. They're like a they're, they're a uh, a punk band, but they they released a famous album called O Calcutta. Okay. So. Well, before that, mm-hmm. there was a an off Broadway show called O O Calcutta, mm-hmm. uh, which I think it gets its name from. There's some literary piece I think that 
all that comes from. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, Oh, Calcutta was off Broadway. It makes the jump to Broadway, living the dream. And they open up in the, uh, the storied Belasco theater. Now, mm-hmm. Oh, Calcutta was a very risque piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had a whole lot of nudity. It just to really drive it home here. I'm going to send you a link to the, uh, uh please do. Picture yes. Of the, <laughs> of the playbill. There you go. Okay. And I'm clicking and I'm seeing a lot of buttholes. That's surprising. Yes. And <laughs> yes, is Not something you see on a playbill often buttholes is the butthole called Calcutta because that's kind of uh, <laughs> what I get the impression that I get. I don't, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like if I see a butthole, first word yeah. out of my mouth is probably going to be butthole oh you know <laughs> oh butthole <laughs> but so if i say oh calcutta that's clearly like code you know like, yeah it could like, be yeah like if i see you like if we're at the mall and we're talking mm-hmm. and all of a sudden i see a butthole if i like elbow you and i'm like calcutta clearly that means i you know <laughs> i no, I, i'm sorry so if we're at the mall you're telling me if we're walking through the mall right yeah which as, we do. as we do <laughs> and you think that someone you might see a butthole right yeah at, at the mall right in it's it's in, it's not in what, common it's not common but if okay. it happens right. and if that happened and you elbow being said oh calcutta you feel like an elbow like hey yeah hey, hey check it out calcutta, calcutta. <laughs> and you and you, th- and you think i would know just well, intuitively. No, no, no. I, I don't say you. I'm saying like back then, right? Maybe it, that in was, 1971. Yeah, maybe the, like back then. I, I don't know. I, I can't put myself in that mind frame, but maybe. <laughs> okay. Back then, okay. that's what it meant. You know. Okay. I can't. I can't say that it didn't mean that. So we're just gonna go with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, O Calcutta ran at the Belasco for a year and a half, and mm-hmm. according to some uh, <laughs> pretty reputable sources, mm-hmm. aka the internet. Uh, the ghost of Dave Belasco did not approve of the full frontal nudity. It was male and female full frontal. Mm. And, uh, and the, the ghost of David Belasco. Or the back hole. The full back <laughs> that, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Can we, can, <laughs> it's, it's such a long episode. Can we just, <laughs> I don't want any more hypotheticals about buttholes because I don't understand any of them. <laughs> I don't. Um, I don't think I feel adequately represented in your in your theoretic theoreticals about public butthole viewing. I'm gonna go back to the link that you sent me. <laughs> uh, so David Blasco's ghost apparently saw all this full frontal nudity and said, "This is not becoming of my theater. Fuck this, I'm out." And so, quite by accident. Apparently, oh, Calcutta has exercised the ghost of David Belasco <laughs> from the theater. <laughs> um, and that's the story of the Blasco Theater. Now, I do have a, a kind of a bit of a coda that does tie in the story of the Fromans and the Schuberts hmm. uh, to all this. But um, first, we should say, this is a good time for us to say, please, you, hey, everyone, rate and review and tell your friends. We, we're stalling a little bit about 300 listeners, which is it's a lot. It's a lot mm-hmm. more than I ever thought we would have. And that's great. And we love we love every single one of you. Um, but this we more would be we can do better. Even, yeah, we can do better. <laughs> I think so. Uh, and if you're listening, all this is the end of the show. So if you're listening all this way, you probably think we could do better, too. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> if you take a few seconds to rate and review, that would be really helpful. And just share it with all your weirdest friends. Just all the people who like weird stuff. Yeah. They will love it. That would be that would be great. And we'd be grateful. Uh, and Patrick will uh, be ha- he you Patrick will show you his butthole maybe if you do that. So oh, Calcutta. <laughs> um, so then the the little coda that ties it. So Blasco, like I said, died in 1931. In 1948, the Blasco Theater was purchased by the Schuberts. Ah, um, finally got the revenge. Yep, they solidified they the entire from empire, yeah. <laughs> and they said, "Wait a minute, wait, wait, let's oh, stop. It's such a nice theater." Um, the Schubert brothers, obviously long gone, but the Schubert organization still owns the Blasco, so they really, yeah, they really took it to the syndicate mm. and all their people. And that's the story for this week. Wow. Um, thoughts? Any uh, final takeaways that you want to? You know, any <laughs> any anatomical uh, comments you'd like to make before we leave here? I this think week, I'm Pat? good at the moment. Um, 
yeah, just really excited to uh, to to learn about Mo Calcutta. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry we did this, Aaron. What? It, Aaron, this is your fault. <laughs> I don't like it. Goodbye, everybody. That's more than enough, and we'll see you next week on Is This a Ghost? <laughs>